Good day to everyone. Today you've got myself, Dr. Derek Williams, here with you. Thanks for joining me. It's a cold, brisk day here in East Texas. It is 52 degrees right now, but don't worry. By the end of the day, it'll be up in the high 60s. Over the last couple months, I've been doing cold plunges, cold showers, and stuff like that. Over the holidays when we visited family in Utah, the water was exceedingly colder. (laughs) It was quite a bit colder there than here in Texas. So man, my cold showers were, it was interesting. It was the first time that I like almost kind of like got this, this high, this invigoration after. So I've been doing them here in our pool. We're not heating it for a few months. And so, but the temperature of the water is it's about mid high fifties, but sitting in something where you're totally immersed is, is a little bit of a different situation than a shower. But anyway, it's been good. So I'm enjoying the weather. I'm excited for the podcast today. I'm going to go off script a little bit and just share some of my thoughts and experience based around our patient's behavior. I recently had a client that I coached through a scenario with a patient that she had to dismiss. So was thinking that it'd be a great idea to do a podcast episode on the topic because I don't believe that we've ever really talked about this before. So here we are. First of all, I want to point out, we talk so often about having high expectations of our staff, but do we expect similarly from our patients? We also talk about bending over backwards for our patients and really stepping up our customer service game. And while I believe in all of those things and try and implement them in my office, I also firmly believe that there are times that it is appropriate to let patients know when they've stepped out of line or if they need to change their behavior. So let me first talk a little bit about why this is important. You have all heard of the 80-20 rule. Well, I think in dental offices, it's more like 1% of the patients cause 99% of the problems. Before I get into this, let me say that I take full responsibility for issues that are mine. If I do something and it's less than a satisfactory result or something that we've handled as an office, I will take ownership and, and make it right with the patient. But I'm sure when I say 1% of patients cause 99% of the problems, that probably many of you can already start thinking of specific patients in your office and, you know, in your head, you're thinking of, oh yeah, I know so-and-so that fits that criteria totally. In my office, I can think of patients that I've dismissed and some that I've had to talk to and that they've, they've, they've shaped up, but I honestly cannot think of a single patient right now off the top of my head that, that I want out of my practice because if I did, I would have filtered them out already or helped them to change their behavior. And this is different. I mean, I, I've never, I haven't really heard anybody talk about this type of relationship or leadership or ownership in this type of way. So I know that this thinking is a little bit different, but it's worked well for me. But this is very important because it can totally change the culture of your practice. I remember in the early years of owning my practice, I had to talk to a patient and let them know that I couldn't do what they were asking and that they might be happier in a different office. 
that patient ended up leaving and, and on good terms. And I was really surprised by this, but my staff were thrilled. Little had I known, but this patient had constantly asked for things to be done on his terms. He dictated his treatment, how he would pay his bills, everything, all of those kinds of things. And many of my staff and with the previous owner would get knots in their stomach when they would see his name show up on the schedule. I didn't know any of this, but after they found out about our conversation and, and him leaving, they were very happy. They crowded around me. They wanted to know what happened and kind of hear everything. And the cool thing about this is that it shows the difference between these kind of two different scenarios. The previous dentist before me was super nice, really great guy, but was not great at setting boundaries, would often let patients like this keep doing what they were doing. He mostly just avoided confrontation at all costs. And over the years, my staff has gained a lot of trust in me. They love their jobs because they know that we're a team and that I will back them up in certain scenarios. So today, that's what I'm going to talk about. Like I said, the majority of the time we focus on how to make the patient experience as good as possible. And I think that's probably what we should be doing the majority, the vast majority of the time. But it's appropriate to talk about these kind of one-off situations once in a while to talk about ways that we can kind of deal with that. And I don't claim to know everything on this subject. If any of you have ideas you'd like to share, feel free to post on our Facebook page and you know talk about what's worked for you. I just know that this is what has seemed to work well for me, and it's based on the same leadership principles that I've used to train my, my staff and provide feedback over time. So I figured I would share it. The first step is to try and draw lines for what is acceptable behavior and what is not and try and help your patients understand those expectations. And you can, you can even do this mentally. But for me, what that entails is patients being reasonable. I understand having questions and concerns, and, and I have no problem with that. But it's got to be a little bit of give and take. Patients have to be willing to make compromises in order for me to provide the best treatment that I can. So let me give some examples. And I think that it's all about the way that you communicate. You can let people know where your boundaries are while still showing empathy and compassion. Quick example, I occasionally have patients that want work done without x-rays, whether it's a limited exam or whatever, and I'm sure that probably several of you have had that happen. In this situation, I simply let them know that the x-rays are what help me to know what I'm looking at and that trying to work without them would be like working blindfolded. So if they want something done, they're going to have to compromise and have x-rays taken. Okay, next example. A lot of our patients are going to be fearful during treatment. But again, we have to draw the line. And for me, a big part is how they can cooperate. And a big thing that I won't tolerate is yelling or screaming or being being really loud. If that happens, I'll stop what I'm doing and very calmly say something along the lines of, I know this can be really scary and I'm really trying my best to be gentle, but you have to help me by trying to be calm on your end as well. It helps me to provide better treatment and there are a lot of other patients in the office as well and it's only going to make them more afraid too. And a lot of times after you can, you know, kind of communicate this calmly, most of them will be very understanding and will, will change their, their behavior. I had a 17-year-old a couple years ago. He needed some work done and he was pretty nervous about it. 
Like I said, I'm totally fine with being nervous. But then he started being very combative and fighting me every step of the way. And I tried kind of having that simple conversation with him and it didn't really work. And he kind of continued. So I stopped. I set my instruments down, took my gloves off and sat him up. And I told him, I said, I know that you're nervous and that's okay. I'm trying my best to work with you, but this is a team effort. You got to meet me halfway. You're going to have to trust me on some things so that I can get the work done. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you five minutes. I'm going to leave. I'm going to give you five minutes to think things over. When I come back, you need to have made a decision on if you think that you can compromise and we can make this a team effort and you can help me out. Or if you make a decision that you'd rather try a different office, that is totally fine as well. But I'm going to leave and give you five minutes to think about that. And then when I come in, we'll kind of move forward from there. So I left. When I came back in, he apologized and just opened his mouth wide. And we didn't have any issues the rest of the appointment. So maybe some of you have lost your temper at times with patients or have seen other doctors do that. I don't think it's uncommon. I used to be an assistant and I saw this myself with, you know, the dentist kind of throwing things, not big things. I mean, even if it's like a paper towel or like slamming an instrument down, getting upset, stuff like that. Unprofessional. We got to be able to hold ourselves to a higher standard and be able to be patient with our patients. So those are all examples where the patients actually changed their behavior. They stepped it up and nothing further was needed. So let me give you some examples where I had conversations and they either chose to leave or I just told them that they needed to find a different office. Okay. So the first was a woman, I'll call her Mrs. Jones. She was probably in her 60s. She complained about just about everything when she came in. Her whole experience. She just talked about things that she didn't like and what she thought should be different. And then this was even just like a, a recall visit. But after she would leave and this one time specifically after she left, there was just this palpable feeling of like downness in the office. She made a big enough of an impact on the entire staff that we all just felt like we'd just been walked all over in a sense. And the idea of this happening every time that she came into the office was just a depressing thought to me. So I felt responsible to make a change. I can't expect anybody else to try and have a conversation or try and see something different here. So, so I called Mrs. Jones on my way home from work and I knew that it was going to be an uncomfortable conversation, but I knew that it was important to have. I basically told her, I said, Hey, I, I enjoy having you as a patient, but after you left, a lot of us in the office were feeling kind of down. And after some discussion, we realized that a lot of it was due to some of the negative comments that you made while you were in the office. She was surprised by that. And she said something along the lines of, oh, well, what did I say that was negative? And I pointed out a few things to her that she complained about that were kind of negative. And I explained kind of why it was hurtful. I told her that the point of me calling her wasn't to make her feel bad, but to help her be aware of the way that it had made us feel. And I told her that we'd still love to have her in the office if she could try and, and be a little bit more positive. Again, I'm not claiming to be an expert on this or that that was even the best way to deal with it, but it's what I did. And I feel like a lot of times in situations, it's better to deal with it than doing nothing. So even if it wasn't ideal, it's okay. I still took it on. 
she didn't end up coming back to our office, which was fine. I felt like I tried to be respectful and kind while also protecting the feelings of myself and, and my staff. The last instance I'll share is another woman in her 40s. I will call her Tina. She was somewhat similar to Miss Jones, but I wasn't aware of it as much. She was mostly pleasant when I was around her, but she had a history of being a little bit peculiar and needy in some ways. And I didn't think that was all too crazy, but she came in one day for a recall visit. I did the exam. She did make some comments to me that I didn't appreciate, but I kind of let it roll off my sleeve. It was right before lunch. So I went to lunch and when I came back, my hygienist was in the, the break room crying. So I talked to her and then I talked to several of the other employees to kind of get everybody's take on it. It sounded like the patient was just very unkind, was very demanding, passive aggressive in a way, making everyone feel less than. And anyway, this is a situation where I really had to kind of trust my staff. It was a little bit uncomfortable because I wasn't a firsthand witness, so I couldn't directly talk about what they had told me. But I decided that after talking to everyone and, and I, we kind of took a vote as a, as a group, but made a group decision that she needed to be told to find a different office. Oh, like I said before, I always hate that feeling knowing that I'm about to have an uncomfortable conversation, whether it's with a patient or a staff member. Anyway, so I called Tina. I told her over the phone that it sounds like she's not happy in our office and that I think it would be best if she found a different dental office to go to for her dental needs. I kept it very short and sweet. I didn't go into the details again because I wasn't there. So it would have been hearsay. And I felt like that was the best route. Well, she was immediately upset. She wanted to come to the office and talk to me. I told her that I would rather not. I said, let's let's move forward. But she was adamant. And so I agreed. And it was an uncomfortable conversation. She just complained and basically shared how upset she was. And in a way, this was good. It just kind of further confirmed my decision. But I simply told her, I just said, you know what, this is what I feel like is best. And I'm sticking to my decision at this point. She made a point to tell me that she would tell all her friends and family to stop coming here. And I told her, look, I understand. And I, I know this isn't an ideal scenario. I've made a decision and it's not intended to be hurtful, but I understand that it probably is. And I'm sorry. And you have the right to respond whatever way you think is appropriate. So again, she was left. We didn't leave on good terms in that one, but I didn't hear from her again. As far as I can remember, I don't remember hearing anything like in the community that she had stirred up anything or anything like that. But again, part of this is having a thick skin and it's important for me to feel good about myself. I can't control how other people perceive me, but I need to feel good about my own decisions. And that's what's important to me. So again, to reiterate, these are all uncomfortable conversations and situations. I, I wish that I never had to have any of these, but having them is what makes our office a pleasant place to be. I truly love and appreciate my staff, and I believe that they really enjoy their jobs as well. And part of the reason is that they know that I'm going to back them up in supporting them. This workplace is our second home in a sense, and it's important to do things that help us all to feel comfortable, like we can give our very best effort and be proud of it. So I know that after listening to all that, there's probably several of you that are thinking and have this one dying question, but Derek, did you give those patients a dismissal letter? 
My answer is no, I didn't. Again, I'm not saying that my way is the right way. I've just done what I think makes the most sense. Like if you just look up, if you just Google how to dismiss a patient from your office, all of the, the stuff that you're going to see is just say, is, is going to tell you, write a letter and tell them that they're being dismissed from your office, that you will see them for 30 days for any emergency care, but they, that they have 30 days to find a new office and then you will no longer see them anymore. I understand this, but in my opinion, this is a pretty cold way and you're less likely to have good outcomes. I mean, you can avoid having those conversations. It's probably the easier way out. Like obviously the conversations that I just detailed to you, you can tell that those were uncomfortable to be in. But I do feel that my outcomes are probably better overall, rather than just sending letters to patients and telling them that they're dismissed from my office. The patients, when I have these conversations, they're, they're not going to want to come back to my office. So if they did, then I would take the appropriate measures to make it official. I've never had to so far. And so I, I don't really see any downside to going this way. But I feel that, like I said, if you can have some of these conversations, it's a really good learning experience to have these conversations, learn how to stay calm while you're talking to people and have differences of opinion, trying to see other people's point of view and make make a judgment call and be willing to go forward with something knowing that you're probably not going to be right all the time. I hope that that was helpful, but I hope that you realize the big picture of this. Again, the point is for us as dentists and working with our teams that it's a give and take. We have to expect a lot from our employees, but when they give a lot to us, we can return that by backing them up in situations with patients so that they know that they're not going to have to go through these horribly uncomfortable events over and over again, that I'm going to back them up and, and help them find a resolution to these experiences. And I firmly believe that it's going to help everyone improve their performance. Your office is going to have higher production and collections. You'll be able to work less if you want to. Again, like I've said many times, a lot of the things that we do in our offices, it's not very often that we find this one thing that's going to boost our production by 20%. A lot of the times it's all of these different things that are going to all help 1% here, 1% there. And after you're continuing to do that day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, that adds up to a lot and it allows you to have the life that you want to have. So thank you for listening. Appreciate all of you being with me today. If you have any questions about working together in the lifestyle practice and helping take your practice to the next level, feel free to reach out to any of us, Derek, Justin, or Steve at thelifestylepractice.com. Take care, everyone. We'll see you next time. Sicker than your average.